Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It's just like your family treats you. Find your healthy family at northmemorial.com slash family. Welcome to another edition of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling and Chip Scoggins of the Star Tribune. Fresh back from Chicago, you guys look bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, like you didn't just take a flight back. Uh... Fresh would not be the word I would use to describe it. <laughs> yeah, but we're here. Oh, I appreciate it, and the listeners appreciate it too, because we're going to break down the Vikings' first win at Soldier Field since 2017. Just what the third or fourth win this uh, century, I believe. Fourth um, this century, yes, you're right. Yeah. Doesn't happen very often. We'll talk about how they did it, Kirk Cousins, and the way that he was able to succeed against a really strong Bears defense. Um, even while the Vikings continued to lean on Dalvin Cook, it was Kirk Cousins who pushed him down the field. Uh, we'll get into a lot of that and then what that means for their season at four and five off of three straight NFC North wins. How far can this team go? Um, ben, just what was your reaction to seeing Kirk Cousins kind of march down the field? You were there at Soldier Field. Um, you saw it. Did, did you just think at some point, okay, it's going to go the way it normally goes in terms of it going wrong? Well, the funny thing was there was a stretch there early in the, in the third quarter where after Patterson took the kickback for a touchdown and Mike Zimmer uh, told Marwan Malouf in so many words, you know, I, I have a slight problem with your approach here. I, 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 let's agree to disagree. I, I think was basically what he said. I, I'm not a great lip reader, but I think that's what he said. Um, after that, there was a stretch that made it almost seem like it was starting to go off the rails. They had a couple three and outs and cousins made a couple throws where it, you kind of got the sense of he was starting to, the, the game had changed and the, the moment was starting to get to him a little bit, but then he put it back together. It hits the, the third and third and 11, uh, for 54 yards to Justin Jefferson, uh, hit a couple to root off the, I mean, including the one to seal the game, but made some big throws in a spot where we've seen him kind of turtle before and against a team that has given him a lot of trouble. And I mean, you have to give him a lot of credit because they tried and tried and tried to establish Dalvin cook and they got enough out of it to be a counter punch, but it wasn't going to win in the game when he's averaging just over three yards of carry and a lot of the first and second down runs. And we'll get into this a little bit later left them in third and long. So there was a lot of these situations. I compared it in my game story to um, the the game against the Broncos a year ago today where they were down 20 to nothing and they needed him to do a lot of the work or needed the passing game at least to do a lot of work. He had good protection. But they needed him to not just be a passenger. And I think that was the case again last night for different reasons, different game situations and all that. But he had to make a lot of big throws, and he did. And that's occasionally you need your quarterback to be able to do that. And they are four and five, not three and six, because he was able to do it. Yeah. I thought, you know, I thought Kubiak had a good game plan in terms of the intermediate routes, um, getting the ball out. I think he realized that the Bears were probably going to be able to get pressure on. on and, and there were probably what, two or three times where cousins was under duress and he, just threw the ball up and in, basically into the stands and out of bounds. He got rid of the ball and he didn't take sacks. I think when he had one sack, right? Yeah. And yeah. So, and he kind of blamed thought, himself thought, for it. Yeah. I thought he, and, but I thought he was pretty smart with the ball last night. You know, before we seen him just kind of 
go down to the ground or take sacks, and he he would escape and throw the ball away. And, you know, live to play another down instead of having it, you know, second and 10 is better than second and 18. You know, you have a fighting chance there. So I think he did that three times. And, and I just thought he looked like he had pretty good control of the offense in terms of the intermediate passes. And it's funny, you know, Dalvin wound up with 30 carries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he really – he didn't – he didn't do anything until Hicks went out. I think when, before Hicks went out, he was averaging 2.1 yards per carry. Yeah. Popped a couple, like a 13 yard or 11 yard and it, it changes. But um, yeah, that was the first time I, I didn't feel like cousins got flustered. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't, you know, I mean, there was a couple of moments he probably wouldn't get back, but you, I think you would take that Kirk cousins um, yeah. a lot of the times. And, and, and I'll say that, defense is good they're really good i thought the impressive part to me too was how they it it seemed to be a really kind of cohesive plan in terms of where they wanted to go with the ball where they wanted to attack this bears defense early on it was a second down something like second and eight and ben you talked about how they ran the ball so much on second down and long but out of the gate they decided to spread it out and throw it on this one and they go adam Thielen in the slot I think it was just a nine yarder on a second and eight and they go right at Buster Scrine, um, one of the veteran corners for the bears who uh, had a very bad game. And if you uh, look, I think, yeah, I was going to say, when you talk about where they wanted to attack the defense, you that mean guy. Buster Scrine, yeah. by that, right? Yeah. <laughs> they, they figured out, they figured out the weak link. That was the guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and, and too, if I guess looking back at it, they, they basically threw it the two guys not named Kyle Fuller. I think that was – they just really did not want to throw at Kyle Fuller. Um, I think he was only targeted a couple times. But anyway, right out of the gate, they wanted to spread it out and say, all right, we think we can hold up in pass protection the three seconds we need to for Adam Thielen to get open against this guy. And that was the same case for Justin Jefferson <laughs> against Jalen Johnson. That was the same they're, – they're using their wide receivers and trusting Kirk. Okay, just put the ball in a place where these guys can go get it. And to do that against this defense, of all defenses, I thought was pretty impressive. The one that sticks out to me in that regard was the first touchdown. They they had a basically Thielen and Jefferson in kind of a bunch. Jefferson was outside of Thielen. Jefferson runs a drag route that, that basically creates a pick for Thielen. And, and Thielen got a clean release on Scrying off the line. But the thing Cousins did, I, I always feel like in these games, especially in primetime down there, you know, take your pick. But th- there are games where if he's going to be off, if he looks flustered, you see it like on the first drive, the Packers game last year where he throws, you know, over somebody's head and it's like, Whoa, okay. Is he going to get out of that? And the answer usually if he's in that mode is no, but as you mentioned, hits the throws early. And then the first touchdown to Thielen right at the top of the drop, there was no hits. There was no hesitation. Top of the drop balls out, um, put the ball right where it needed to be. Great catch from Thielen. I mean, we watched the replay. We were talking about in the press box where he was able to flip the ball around in his left hand to get it in a better position is uh, like Jedi trick with the ball. <laughs> but yeah, Cousins trusting his guy and saying, I can put it where it needs to be and I don't need to think about this throw that much. And maybe you're confident enough in that particular one-on-one matchup that you were able to do it. But there was not the hesitation that we've seen so many times from him in that spot. And you know, the thing is, is like you watch that game <clears throat> and I understand you got Dalvin, he's a special talent and you want to ride, you know, that as much as you can, but man, I would throw the ball 12 times to Justin Jefferson every game. <laughs> he's that good. I mean, he is just a special talent. 
Yeah, I think Kirk brought up um, after the game. He brought up one of the the in breaking routes where he just kind of snatches this bullet of a pass out of the air, and it's just he does so many different things well, and and it's not just kind of running routes proficiently or tracking the ball downfield. It can be some of the inside stuff where a guy might be afraid of getting lit up, you know, catching an in breaking route, and he's going to stick his whole body out there and catch it. Um, and isn't afraid to do those kinds of things. And for a young guy, he plays pretty fearless and, and with how good he is. Um, they've somehow not skipped a beat trading away Stefan Diggs, which is he does uh, not play like a rookie. I mean, no, no. It, this guy's gonna be a pro bowl a lot of years, I think. I, you know, I always when when people talk about and I, I wrote about his family, wrote about his upbringing you know, late in training camp, and when people talk about sort of the oh, he grew up on the game, he learned at a young age, and I'm you hear that a lot and I'm always kind of like, yeah, 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 whatever. Um, in this case though, I tend to think it counts for something because he had two older brothers that played at LSU he had one that was a quarterback there that spent a lot of time talking with him when he's 16, 17 years old about here's how you attack coverages. You're going to see at the next level. It's not just you're good enough to win in high school because you're more talented than everybody. It's when the, when the competition level goes up, this is what you're going to have to learn how to do. He was learning that before he graduated high school. And I do think when you're talking about some of the things that he's doing, that he looks like he's a fourth or fifth year receiver when he's doing it as a rookie, it has to come from, it's not coming from the Vikings. You know, their coaches are obviously NFL coaches and have done a good job, but that's not coming from them. It just hasn't been enough time. So I do tend to think in this case, that upbringing and that pedigree he has has helped him understand the game at a level that you don't see a lot of rookies do it. Yeah. And I think too, um, with Adam Thielen, with, with Jefferson, we are seeing kind of an ability <coughs> to win in different ways and kind of change it up. And, and it's not just Dalvin cook. And I think that's going to, if that team can continue to do this, Ben chip, how far do you think, I guess they can go? Cause they're not going to play the bears offense every week. No, they, they're not. But I will say this. They're also not going to face the Bears defense every week. Sure. And yeah. There are a lot. Let's be honest. There are a lot of bad NFL teams. There just are. I, I was talking to Ben about this last night. Is I think there's like an overwhelming number of bad teams, but you just have some really good quarterbacks that hide the warts, whether it's Rodgers hiding some warts or Russell Wilson or whoever. Um, and so, I mean, you look at their – they could be seven and five. I mean, I don't think it's, we're not being unreasonable to sit here and say, now they have to do it. They have to go out and win three straight, but um, I think they get back into the playoff. Now, whether they make the playoffs, you know, they're going to have to win a game, you know, whether it's Tampa or new Orleans or whatever, but I think they're going to at least going to be in the discussion and they're going to be relevant. Whereas when you're one and five, you're, you know, tanking for Trevor and casting off all the veterans. So it's, it's, it's definitely, it's, They've done an about face on this season. I'll say that. And so the question of how far they can go, if they get in, they're the seventh seed. I mean, I think that's probably fairly likely. I mean, maybe there's a scenario they're not, but let's say for the sake of argument for now, they are, which means they're playing the two seed, which I think right now is new Orleans. Um, yes, they went down there last year and won in the playoffs, but you also have a defense that's awfully new and would be in that spot for the first time. I think the question is going to be, and we've seen some progress here with this defense, but 
some of it's happened against teams that are a little bit depleted or in gale force wins at Lambeau, that sort of thing. Um, and that the Packers played that day without Aaron Jones and David Bakhtiari as well. So um, the question to me of how far they can go is how this defense and specifically the secondary fares against a playoff field that will, I think, include the following quarterbacks. I fairly safely, I think we can say it's going to have Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, uh, Russell Wilson, and very possibly Kyler Murray, who's younger, but mm-hmm. is awfully dynamic. Um, yeah. And then maybe Jared Goff goes in there too. You have to bounce. You probably have to bounce. About. I guess the other one would be Carson Wentz, but there's a lot of yeah. veteran <clears throat> quarterbacks that know how to pick you apart. And if it's green Bay, they could say, well, Hey, we won there the last time that we were there. Um, is that the same in the playoffs? I don't know. How much do you guys think, because, you know, you can quantify everything, but I think in this case you have to, I mean, the wind was just, you know, 40 mile an hour wins one game off both off no offense is going to do well there the lions are the lions and the, the bears are the worst nfl offense i think i've ever seen so how do you judge improvement with defense with this defense no one knowing all those and, and it's not fair to say there isn't any because i think we're seeing it but it's like to what degree do you have a sense of that yet I mean, I guess I would just say that I think we've seen it in the sense that we saw them uh, give up big bu- – I mean, they played good offenses. They played Atlanta. They played Seattle. But they've also given up big plays to teams that you probably shouldn't have. Um, and, and I'm thinking, I guess, more of the Titans game with Ryan Tannehill downfield, um, um, even the Texans game a little bit and with how badly they were playing at the time. Um I don't know. I think you're just you're not seeing the big plays, and that's how I would measure it. And even though Aaron sure. Rodgers, even though Aaron Rodgers is playing in those kind of wins, he still managed to throw for 300 yards in that game somehow. Um, and we didn't we didn't see it downfield as much. Now certainly the wind plays a part of it. Matthew Stafford. It doesn't matter who's playing for him. He's got a way of of beating the Vikings downfield. And I know he wasn't the same guy in that game. So that there there are a lot of factors that as you talk through it it is hard to quantify that because you can kind of in every game say, yeah, but there was this. Yeah. Game. Yeah. Now Vikings fans would come back with, we could also be six and three right now. Very easily. Sure. If sure. We all, yeah. And Absolutely. now blue leads in both those games, but they but lost the Russell play. Wilson drive. Yeah. The Russell right. Wilson drive. I mean, how many times is that going to happen? You make one play. Yeah, in Tennessee, the same thing. I mean, sure. you, you lose both those games by a point after blowing big leads. Now, the bad teams they've played haven't necessarily had bad offenses. So, I mean, last night was the first time they played an offense that is truly singularly abysmal. So, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, it, it gets hard to quantify that as well. But at the same time, it's still an NFL offense. It's, it's not a, a rookie quarterback. It's a quarterback that, in fact, has uh, <clears throat> been on the other side of – harrowing defeat for your team the fact that they didn't blow it um is worth something and they had every made every stop they needed to make in the second half and i will say this and this is where i think uh you're seeing it i think eric wilson's become a pretty darn good player yeah i think you're seeing some stuff from wanham so you're seeing uh guys that maybe you weren't expecting to have a you know pivotal role and maybe they weren't playing well earlier or not showing the flashes they are now you're seeing guys like that really 
you know, make some pretty significant contributions. And like Wilson, I think he's a darn good player. Yeah, he, he keeps popping up. And I, I think, too, when you talk about losing Anthony Barr, um, Eric Wilson does so many things differently. He doesn't fill the same exact role, but he comes in there and almost gives you a type that's similar to Eric Kendricks, where they've got two mm-hmm. very similar players playing next to each other, as opposed to Kendricks and Barr were so different in their styles and how they played. Um, I guess that that has been a good discovery for them. They do have young players. I think of Hercules Mata'afa, who's somehow gone from being released to being a defensive end who's getting a lot of reps for them he was active I mean, last night yeah he was really yeah. i thought he had some splash plays last night yeah he had a hit on uh Foles in the first half and then the the one of sack was on a stunt with mata Afa. so i mean yeah he he showed up in a, a number of different ways yeah so you're seeing i guess some young guys come in i think jeff gladney has shown some good things um the mm-hmm. disappointing part's been with the defense is that the corners haven't been healthy enough just to stay on the field as we mm-hmm. talked about last time heading into this game you, know, you this was the year you're supposed to see Mike Hughes, Holton Hill. Um, you were supposed to really figure out a lot about those guys, given the playing time they were supposed to get. And Cameron Dantzler should be out there right now, getting a lot of the reps that you're seeing Chris Jones get, who mm-hmm. might be a player for you in some capacity down the road, but maybe not have the ceiling that you're expecting a guy like Cameron Dantzler to. So the health has been the most disappointing part. But Chip, to answer your question, long story short, I guess, yeah, we, we, do, we are seeing that kind of improvement. Um, it's probably going to look even a lot better when you welcome the Cowboys and potentially Andy Dalton. And, <laughs> and I know they've got some weapons, but it's still going to be Andy Dalton and a really broken Cowboys team. And, and I have to think you got to give Zimmer some credit too. Um, uh, you know, his schemes have been good and I think he's figuring out, you know, I think he's figuring out um, maybe how to mask some things, but also, you know, I'm like, like, you know, like I want him, you know, they, they, they're getting a lot out of, you know, young guys like that. And so um, I think you have to, you know, he does deserve some credit. And and let's be honest, when this team was one and five, we were thinking they're going to be three and 13, you know. I mean, it's the way that was going. And they yeah. held it together. Now, now the con- you know, they played some bad teams and that's held. But um, they they also have kind of stuck together. Yeah, in terms of Zimmer, too, I guess it's interesting to see the difference where you've got the Bears, Matt Nagy, struggling with an offense, decides to give up the play calling. Mike Zimmer keeps an iron fist on that play call sheet, doesn't have the veteran coaching staff around him necessarily outside of Andre Patterson to want to hand that off anymore. We heard about him talk about that for years, about uh, I want to maybe manage games better. Uh, We need to figure some things out on defense. Maybe I should hand this off. I think one of the main reasons they've done so well in these games is kind of when he decides to dial up some of these blitzes and really apply extra pressure. The way that Nick Foles just crumbled under any mm-hmm. kind of blitz scheme that the Vikings drew up. Um, we saw Matthew Stafford, and actually basically in every Vikings-Lions game ever, we've seen Matthew Stafford get sacked under relentless blitz schemes that the Vikings draw up. That's like a strength that we're seeing shine through because <clears throat> they don't have the, the talent up front to create pass rush necessarily right now. They're doing it a lot with kind of the, the coaching and the schemes, I think, and the, especially with the, the blitzes. The one that stuck out to me there was uh, Harrison Smith blitzed from like almost a nickel depth. Um, it, it ended up being basically a, an incomplete pass on third down, but Foles was having to backtrack and basically threw it away. Um, he disguised it until the last second, which is somewhat – that's Harrison Smith being really good at that part of his game among many parts of his game. He's really good at, but 
the design of it, I, I don't recall seeing the Vikings blitz from that alignment and that depth very often where he's that far off the line. And then it's, he timed it basically to, I think run up the a gap right as a, as a play got off and had a clean run at the quarterback. I mean, that type of stuff is, and we, we saw some of the tried and true double a gap stuff with from the linebackers. I think we've actually probably seen more of that with Kendricks and Wilson than we have in recent years with Barr. but they've mixed in some other things and they're dialing it up probably a little more and um, certainly using it with some success. Yeah. And I think just the, the timing too, it always seems to catch some opponents off guard with not only, as you mentioned this, where they kind of bring the pressure from, but then kind of when Zimmer decides to do it. Um, I think that's just one of the strengths of this team right now is kind of, you're still seeing the, the in-game adjustments and the coaching kind of shine through. Um, all right, guys. Well, what should we talk about next? Should we look ahead to Cowboys week a little bit? Actually, no, we should talk about the special teams. <laughs> you know what? Who would have thought they would have figured out the kicker and the punter, but then everything else would go to hell. It's, it's, it's going to cost them a game. I mean, they've, this is two weeks in a row. They've avoided danger and won with just horrific special teams. And, um, Marwin got it pretty good on the sideline there after the kick return. I don't think I've ever seen Zimmer go at a coach or a player like that. Have we? I mean, that was not not that I can recall. I mean, there's been some times where he's gotten mad at somebody, but well, Xavier Rhodes last year, Xavier Rhodes maybe, Seattle. but that that was. I mean, that was. I don't know if he wasn't supposed to kick to him or kick somewhere else or tackle him or whatever it was, but. um that to me was a head coach who said, I'm sick and tired of seeing this. You figure it out, <laughs> you know. So it'll be interesting to see. I don't know if, you know, if you, you know, if Marwin's jobs, you know. Well, I think he said, or what, but. I think on the radio, I mean, before he talked to us, he talks to K fan, talks to Greg Coleman. I, I think I saw a, a quote from that that he said something about with the special teams. He said, I think he said, I'm sick of it. I think that was the. Oh, quote. did he? Yeah. I think so. You can't continue to think you're going to win when you've given up block punts for touchdowns and kickoff returns for touchdowns and mix bad snaps. I mean, it hasn't just been one thing, too. It's been like across the board. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I, Zimmer's clearly annoyed with it. Yeah, and that's, that's what I was going to get to is how um, multiple, I guess, the problems are, to <laughs> use NFL uh, jargon. They like to talk about being multiple. They're messing up in multiple ways. Um, it's – uh, whether it's giving up, it was the 32-yard punt return to Anthony Miller right there at the end of the game. It was bad snaps from Austin Cutting. Um, it Dan was. Uh, it was sorry. What was that? Dan Chisena stepping in the end zone, trying to down the. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I forgot about that one. Then obviously the 104-yard kickoff return for a touchdown, um, where Chisena was the only one to get a hand on Patterson and the entire thing. Um, Anyway, it's just so many different issues with them. And it goes back to obviously getting the two punts blocked against the Lions. And, and when at the end of that game, I'm thinking too, if you're Mike Zimmer, you got to be thinking, we got to keep our punt team off the field like it's like it's Russell Wilson, like it's an opposing opponent that we, we just cannot trust because of how bad right now that special teams group has been. Um, I guess Ben is it a product of a young team. I mean, we don't we don't seem to we're talking about so many different issues. There, there's no like, yeah. consistent thread on what, what the actual problem is. Yeah, that's a good point. I think it's certainly possible. I mean, when you've got young guys, that's typically where they play first, right? I mean, it's, they end up in the special teams units. Um, I, I think that's 
somewhat the thing, but I mean, Austin cutting is in his second year. It's the same kicker holder long snapper setup they had last year. And they've spent a lot of resources to get that part of things fixed. And like we're saying, the issues are not just there, but um, that part is concerning. But yeah, when you talk about some of the coverage things, you have a lot of, I mean, Dan Susanna is a rookie. I think Josh Metellus was on that, on the kick return near Patterson, at least in a point where he maybe would have been able to get a hand on him. So you have rookies playing in those spots. That's, that's probably part of it, but yeah, whatever it takes to get it fixed, it's as big of a problem, I think, as we've seen in any of our times covering because they, their special teams have typically been pretty good. At least they've had dynamic return men that add some benefit to the group. Well, and, and it's, not, it's not just the youth, right? It's also the fact that a guy like Eric Wilson, who should probably be one of their core special teamers, isn't playing mm-hmm. it anymore because Anthony Barr's yep. out. Yeah. Yep. And I think Marwin has, has acknowledged that a couple of weeks ago or maybe a month ago that losing Wilson when Barr got hurt and he became a full-time starter, that, that hurts. But, but guys, isn't by and large most NFL teams or special teams guys are young guys? Yeah. By, I mean, because it's, it's, you know, guys that – you know, newly drafted, maybe aren't starters yet. They have to, you know, earn their way. So I think most special teams are are probably pretty young, right? So I'm not sure if, if the Vikings try to use that as an excuse, that's going to fly. You know, I just think they're not very good. And they're not, yeah, yeah, no, not not for the type of mistakes that are happening. You can't be skipping long extra point snaps <laughs> into the grass. You can't be giving up 100. No, the type of things that are going wrong. You can give up a penalty here or there, or a bad return maybe, um, and say it's an experience. But I think too that some of these issues that are popping up mid season, maybe the timing of them is the most disconcerting thing. Cause it's not like Church. we're in the first beginning of the you know part of the year where you can say, okay, they're getting through a, a fall preseason or whatever you want to call it. Um, Cause yeah, if you keep going like this, look, the Panthers are a team that's not necessarily a pushover. They got to play Tampa Bay and New Orleans, Chicago again, they're going to play a lot of close games and it's going to come down to some of those issues that could pop up once again. And, and we've seen it. You can't replace even, uh, a kicker very easily or, or any one of these positions that you normally kind of maybe cycle through, let alone a long snapper, bringing in somebody new for that. I just, I don't see that happening. I think they got to roll with a lot of the guys they have. Well, and the problem. Yeah. Sorry. And, and the problem is they're not good enough to overcome these mistakes a lot of, you know, I mean, they have the last couple of weeks because of the quality of the opponent, but it's not like they have this just incredible defense. That's going to cover up for a lot of mistakes on special teams or, a quarterback who's going to, you know, uh, you know, just rise above whatever mess is happening around him. I mean, you know, their margin for error is still pretty small. And so they cannot be giving up block punts for touchdowns and kickoff return for touchdowns. The bag skate scene in Miracle comes to mind. You don't have enough talent <laughs> Again. to win on talent alone. Yeah, that scene. But yeah, the line. But you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. Is Exactly. Yeah. Uh, comes to mind among the many things he says in that scene. Yeah. Great scene, uh, by the way. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Well, is there anything else we should get to, guys? Yeah, I want to know. And I know teams are different. And I know personnel is different. Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. <laughs> you watched that game last night. And you're sitting there thinking, how did this guy win a Super Bowl? This quarterback. And look great doing I invoked Kerry Collins in, my, in uh, the story I wrote this morning about Nick Foles in terms of his relationship to the Vikings of how is this guy killing us? <laughs> Collins did it to them multiple times, but 
I mean, he was in the <laughs> NFC title game against the Vikings yeah, that's in 2041 right. Donut. Then he came to town a couple more times and torched them a couple of years later with the Giants as well. But I, uh, I, I think I, I said Nick Foles was making a bid to become a modern day Kerry Collins. <laughs> and uh where it's and, and collins was probably more accomplished throughout the course of his career than Foles has sure. been but yeah i caught lightning in a bottle in 2017 it was yeah remember remember nick Foles the, the first time at least i became aware of him because I, I didn't follow him in michigan state or really his college career at all was when he went 27 and 2 i think with the the um 27 touchdowns two picks yes. with the Eagles. yeah yeah one season with chip kelly and everybody's thinking who the hell is this guy and he never really <laughs> repeated it well, the Vikings had kicked the tires on a trade for him. I remember one training camp. It was because there's been this sort of run of Jeff Fisher era Rams quarterbacks that have all found their way through Minnesota yeah. one way or the other, or at least had been talked about. Why would that have happened? It was some they were looking for a backup. Maybe it was the year that Taylor Heineke got hurt in mm. training camp and then Teddy got hurt later. But yeah, we've seen Bradford, Keenum, Sean Hill all come through here and they, they talked with Foles or talked to Foles' agent, I think, at one point, trying to get a backup. But, yeah, he's he was kind of the darling there for a minute with Chip Kelly, and then they gave up on him, and then he finds his way back to Philly, and now he just kind of bounces around the NFL with John Filippo, I guess. Yeah, it's just crazy some of these stories, too, because it's Case Keenum. I mean, the Vikings had it yeah. in 2017, yeah. where it's not, it's not like Case was the reason that team was an NFC championship contender. It was just one of those things where he played well enough, and I think Foles is the same thing. It, the, the way that they won that Super Bowl, Banks, we were all there because it was here in Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. The weird thing, they the way they won it was it was just the shootout of the century. Like yeah, we, yeah. yeah, I know. <laughs> Philly special. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I will say – that that offensive line was terrific, right? Yeah. That was yeah. Probably the best offensive line. So you you can I don't say you put any quarterback behind that offensive line and they'll do well, but that obviously and, and you have a difference. Terrific scheme and terrific play caller. And it I think Ben's right. It a little bit was a perfect storm of all these things around him. And and and, and to his credit, he played really well too. I mean that's you don't want to discredit that. But you watched him last night, you're like, is this still the same quarterback that we saw yeah. in the Super Bowl? What is going on here? Yeah. The other thing that I wonder about, I, I just think as we go forward, um, Dalvin Cook now has had 30-plus touches in two of the last three games and had a, a big, a busy day against the Lions as well. Only he and Josh Jacobs have touched the ball 30 times in a game or more this season twice. They're the only two running backs in the league to have two games they've had that big of a workload. And we've kind of gone away, I think, from the Alexander Madison having a fairly large chunk of the work. I, I think snap counts, touches have, have shifted quite a, quite a bit in Cook's direction. The question I have, if you're, if you're going to lean on, on him that hard, and you probably need to um, in a lot of these games, is he going to hold up? That's always the question with him. And when, you're, when you have him – holding or carrying the ball that much. And it was, I even think about like the first pass he caught last night, he chipped Akeem Hicks hard. Yeah. And then catches the little dump off and got smoked by Danny Trebathan. So even those types of plays and had a couple pickups and pass protection where he got beat too. It's, it's the physical toll. I wonder about a little bit with him. It's been noticeable too. Like you wonder if the buy during the bye week, if Zimmer said, uh, 
how's it growing? Good. Okay, great. We're going to ride you really hard. Yeah. We, we have to. And Madison just doesn't really get on the field anymore. I thought the noticeable, the noticeable shift to me was week two after they lose in Indianapolis, the way that they lost. And I think that was the last time we saw Dalvin cook, um, take fewer than like 20 carries or 20 touches. Yeah. Game. Um, I'm looking up right now, Madison's workload like yeah so he was still seeing 37 he said he played 37 percent in the opener which in a game you're losing by that much was compared to how they approach it now feels pretty yeah. absurd and then it was 20 percent the next week and it's been about 20 is the fourth and one in seattle the point where it flips i don't i, I don't well no fourth and one he was only out there because dalvin got hurt right i think he's more just yes. des- don't but you just think it's desperation it well it is but don't you just think it's desperation and, and Zimmer saying, if I'm going down, I'm going down with my best guy on the field. Yeah. If he, if he, we wear him out, I don't, I'm not, pay him, you might I'm not saying it's the best strategy and I'm not saying it's going to work. I mean, he may, the wheels fault may fall off. You know, he may get tired at the end of the year, but I mean, like yesterday, 30 carries. I mean, you're, you know, against that defense. I mean, it, and he was fighting hard to get every yard. Yeah. It, 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 it could run into a brick wall at some point, but I think, with this model, it's clear. If Dalvin, yeah, if Dalvin stays healthy, he's got a chance to lead the NFL in carries and touches and, and being yeah. that kind of guy because that's the rate we're talking about when Ben puts him up there with Josh Jacobs right now. Um, and, and you hear the the, the rhetoric out of um, Las Vegas, and it's kind of we need to maybe lessen Josh Jacobs' load a little bit. Maybe we need yeah. to give Devontae Booker a little bit more run. <laughs> and mm. so I, the Vikings, though, aren't at that point because of how good Dalvin is. If he keeps doing that – and if it's going to have that impact too on a game where I'm not saying he's the reason why they won in Chicago, but clearly you can give the ball to him 30 times and still find ways to kind of push the ball downfield and win because he's got that kind of impact. So I think he runs yards like Swiss chart. (laughs) How about that? (laughs) So that was a, that was a planning question. So it was Jimmy Fallon's planning the the hope. Yes. And we were all sitting there like, what does this mean? Cause you know, we're, I, I think I'll say this at least speaking for myself, Andrew's younger than I am. Um, but for me, I'm th- sitting there saying, okay, is this something that the kids are saying now that I don't know? Do I have to just kind of nod and pretend I know what he's talking about? And but then I'm thinking like, no, this is, would seem odd to have a leafy green vegetable as a <laughs> source of this. And so you're trying to sit there and figure it out. Okay. Maybe this is what it means. Like, no, it was just for, it was gibberish that Jimmy Fallon had put people up to say in their press conferences. The whole thing, if you haven't seen it, it's pretty funny. I also, yeah, it, it makes sense that they would actually plant those kinds of things, but I also wouldn't put it past them to just take credit for NFL players saying ridiculous things. That could be too. Yeah, yeah. If they just went through, and I'm, I'm also not saying this happened, but if they just kind of went through all the press conferences and were like, let's find the most ridiculous things and say we told them to do it. Even though but there not. was a couple in that one. I like two guys that had said, "Call me old-fashioned." No, yeah, actually, right. call me old-fashioned. That's you're my right. new nickname. So that seemed like it was a, a plant. But I mean, sure. the whole thing, the Gronk one was funny too, and mm-hmm. DK Metcalf was pretty funny. So yeah, I, I got a laugh out of it this morning <laughs> when I saw that. Maybe someone four and a half hours of sleep or whatever. It seemed funny, but it's gonna yeah, become I gotta a thing. It. It's gonna become a thing now. Now kids are gonna start saying that. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Well. We'll break for this episode of the Access Vikings podcast. Please check out all of our work at startribune.com. Maybe you should get off the podcast.